and he is the fount of every blessing. We are the recipients of those blessings every minute, every hour, every day, every week, and every year. And what a joy it is to come together and to celebrate God's greatness and God's blessings. And we are glad you've come to celebrate with us today. What a joy it is to see all of you here in this very cold day. I'm glad you made it in. Uh, if you're a guest, we welcome you and we thank you for choosing to worship with this church family. And there is a gift for you out on the Welcome Center. Uh, there's a bag that has a gift in it. Just go by there and pick up one of those bags and take it with you. But we are so glad that you've chosen to worship with us. And we're glad all of you are here today. And we pray that you feel God's presence as we worship him uh, today. And for those of you who have joined us by live stream, we welcome you. And we pray the same for you, that you feel God's presence as we worship him today. Why don't you take a minute to greet those around you and let them know you're glad they're here. And then we'll join in singing at Calvary. sing together at Calvary.
always want to be able to tell you about Jesus. You join as we continue in worship today. Are you past the point of weary? Is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Do you feel that empty feeling? Cause shame's done all it's stealing. And you're desperate for some healing. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Spirit, 
Thank you. You may be seated. What a powerful and beautiful song and what a beautiful prayer that we would ask the Holy Spirit to rain down on us and whatever is going on in your life today, know that you are not alone. God promises to be with you and to be with me through his spirit, through his presence. And if you need a fresh anointing of his spirit, a, a fresh hope, know that you're in the right place, that the Holy Spirit is raining down on us this morning. And every week there's an opportunity for us to pray together. If you're in this place, we can come to the altar or you can pray from your seat. If you're watching at home or wherever you may be, you can pray wherever you are. But we all need prayer. Every single one of us need prayer. Maybe your heart is heavy today for a family member, for a friend, for a need in your own life, and you've been struggling, and maybe no one else knows, but God knows, and he wants to meet you and me right where we are today. So I'm going to invite you at this time, if you feel led by the Holy Spirit, to come join me as we lift up our prayers together. Would you come pray with me today? pray together. God, we bow humbly before a, a great and mighty God. Thank you for being God, our Father. Thank you for Jesus, your Son, who would die on the cross to save us from our sin. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, which comforts us and convicts us and guides us and directs us, leads us and the way you would have us to go. God, you have heard our song, our prayer. Holy Spirit, rain down on each of our lives. And Father, we pray this morning for those gathered at this altar, folks praying from their seats, people praying at home, or Father, wherever they may be this morning, we need your anointing. We need your touch. Father, we pray for families grieving, Father, I pray for my friend David Bell's family that passed away this past week, that you would comfort this family, that they might feel your strength. I pray for the Fent family and the loss of Tommy's mother, that you would comfort them and give them strength. Father, we pray for the Hazelwood family and the loss of my neighbor, Howard Hazelwood, and I ask that you would comfort them, God, that they might feel your comfort and your love. Father, I pray for so many on our prayer list that are in the hospital or going through treatments or battling cancer or, or battling some illness. Oh, God, we claim that you're the great healer, the great physician. And if it be your will to heal completely, Father, I pray for my friend, my brother in Christ, Lee Rainwater, as he has surgery tomorrow, that you would anoint him and the doctors and the nurses and be with Mary and their family. And we pray for no complications or, or any problems, but it would be a safe 
and successful surgery. Bless them, I pray. Father, I pray for folks that are going through bouts of depression or loneliness or some in this place or watching battling addiction. Set the captive free, God, and may they know that greater is you that is in us than he that is in the world. And Father, we pray for continued prayers for the situation with Ukraine and Russia. Father, that you would bring reconciliation and peace and be with our leaders and our military and, and God, that you would give them wisdom and protection. Father, I pray for this church and all the churches that preach the good news of Jesus, that we would experience a great spiritual renewal and revival and that people might come to know Jesus because he's our only hope. Father, if there are those here or watching that have never accepted Christ into their heart, may a song that's sung, a prayer that's prayed, your message which is proclaimed might touch us and point us to Jesus and that we might come to know you personally. So Father, forgive me, forgive us of anything that would hinder our prayer or hinder our worship. Remove it as far as the east is from the west. Remember our transgression, our sin no more. Open our hearts, open our eyes, open our ears, open our lives to your leadership. And we'll give you all the glory. And Father, I pray a special prayer for this Friday night for the devoted women's conference, the girls' night out. And I pray, God, that you would bless these women that will be coming and, and these young ladies that will be coming, that there would be a great move of your spirit. Anoint the speaker, anoint the guest musician, anoint all those who take part, that it would be a spiritually uplifting evening and many lives would be transformed. We thank you for it. And we give you all praise now for what you're going to do in this service. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible with you, would you turn with me to John chapter 1? And as you're doing that, I'm grateful that the choir is here to, to lead us. It's great to see our choir here this morning and so many folks uh, back in the choir. And uh, we look forward to hearing you after the reading of God's Word. We'll be reading out of John chapter 1, beginning with verse 35. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. 
The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John, you will be called Cephas, which translated is Peter. This is the word of the Lord, blessed be the name of the Lord.
Amen. Thank you all. If you don't get anything out of the message today, I hope you got that message loud and clear that God is faithful. Would you all agree? God is faithful. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity to be here today, and I'm so glad you're here today, again on this cold morning, to come into the warmth of his presence in his house. Always like to start with a little humor, or at least an attempt a little bit of humor to get you ready to hear more important things. This man walked into the library, and he asked the librarian, do you have any books on paranoia? And she whispered, they're right behind you. Let's try again. A man walks into the library, and he goes up to the counter, and he said, I would like a cheeseburger, fries, and a Coke. The librarian said, sir, this is a library. He said, oh, I'm sorry. I'd like a cheeseburger, fries, <laughs> and a Coke. So this man walks into the library. No, I'm kidding. You. I'm checking out after that one. I don't for the last 10 weeks, we have been in a sermon series called Rebuilding God's Way. And we have been looking at some tried and true principles to help us rebuild after this long and devastating season that we've been through, this worldwide pandemic that we've been through. And we have been looking at some very important principles like truth and worship and faith and harmony and unity and stewardship and the list goes on and on. We've been looking at several of these principles to help us rebuild after this difficult season that we've experienced. Through this series, we've used God's Word as a guide. We've also used a book by former Southeast Christian pastor Bob Russell, When God Builds a Church. And I thought it was interesting that Bob Russell shared the story about eating at a restaurant one time called the Pancake Factory. And he said, you know what their lunch special was the day that he went to eat at the Pancake Pantry? He said their lunch special was a grilled chicken sandwich with spicy Mexican sauce. And he said he thought to himself, they've really lost the focus of who they are. They were the pancake factory serving spicy chicken with Mexican, or chicken sandwich with spicy Mexican sauce. And through this long season we've been through, maybe you've lost your focus. Maybe some of us have lost focus. It was almost a year ago that my wife and I were praying about direction for this church and how we can get through this devastating time that we've all been through. And God laid a comeback plan on our hearts, really a way out of the wilderness is what we called it, the wilderness, of course, referring to the darkness of this pandemic. And as God gave us this plan, really he was giving us a focus of bringing our church, his church, into the promised land of light and life. And maybe you've heard this saying before, it's, 
it really applies to a successful business or sports team or a diet or a church or your spiritual lives. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Have you all heard that before, haven't you? The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And for us today, as we come to the end of this series, and certainly not to the end of living out these principles in our lives and in the life of this church, but today we close out with the important principle of evangelism. I don't think there's anything greater than for us to be able to share with someone the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. The hope we have in Jesus is for eternal life. And I pray today that our focus as God's church, the main thing is that we would share with people about Jesus Christ and his love and his forgiveness and his mercy and his grace. And if you're lost, you can be found. If you were blind, you can see the truth and love of Jesus and just how special you are to him. But I pray today as we look at this scripture, and this scripture is written by John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Not that Jesus didn't love all of his disciples, but he had a special bond with John. And actually John is writing about John the Baptist and how some of his disciples that he had taught we're now leaving John and beginning to follow Jesus. Now, if you would look back in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3, we know that John the Baptist was prophesied about even by the prophet Isaiah. There's a voice calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And we know that John the Baptist was the one who was preparing the way for Jesus. And what was his message? His message was one of repentance and baptism and preparing the way for Jesus as he would come into the world to save us from our sin. We also know in Matthew chapter 3 that, that this was the one who baptized Jesus you look at Matthew chapter 3, it was John the Baptist who baptized Jesus in the Jordan when the Holy Spirit came and led on Jesus and he heard the voice of God the Father say, this is my son whom I love and I am well pleased. And so today I pray that through this passage of scripture, we would be challenged to continue the three E's that I shared with you on July the 11th of 2021 as this comeback plan, this coming out of the wilderness plan, that we would continue to apply these as our vision as we are rebuilding God's church after this very difficult and devastating time. And the first E stands for encounter, to have an encounter with the Lord. If you would look in our scripture passage today out of John chapter 1, verses 35 through 37, it said the next day, uh, two disciples had gone with John, and when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. 
And when the disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Look, the Lamb of God. They could relate when we think about the Passover, when we think about the, the Lamb that's blood was shed, that was placed over the door facing so that death angel would pass by and save God's people. We, we think about the Lamb of God of being Jesus, who was our sacrificial Lamb, who died on the cross to atone for, to save us from our sins so that we would not experience eternal death, but we would experience eternal life. So we know that these disciples that John the Baptist had been preparing now have seen the Lamb of God, and they began to follow him. They had an encounter with the living Lord. I want to ask you today, have you had an encounter with the living Lord? Have you had an encounter with Jesus Christ? When we look through scriptures, there are many times people had encounters with Jesus. I, I think about in Luke chapter 19, that story many of us learned as children, the story of Zacchaeus, this chief tax collector, this, this uh, rich, wealthy man who heard that Jesus was entering into Jericho. And so what did Zacchaeus do? He ran ahead of the crowds and being short in stature, he, he climbed a sycamore fig tree so he could see Jesus passing by. And we know that Jesus spotted Zacchaeus up in that tree, just like Zacchaeus or just like Jesus can spot you wherever you are today. Not only in the balcony or on the back row or watching from wherever you may be, Jesus knows exactly where we are, just like he knew where Adam and Eve were when they disobeyed and when they sinned and when they were hiding behind a, a bush. He knew exactly where they were, even though he said, where are you? He meant, where are you in your relationship with me? And today he sees you, and he asked the same thing, where are you? He knows exactly where we are, but he wants us to be authentic and to be real and to say where we are spiritually. But we know that Zacchaeus was up in the tree to see what he could see. Jesus saw him. And he said, Zacchaeus, you come down out of that tree. I must go to your house today to stay. And we know that if you would read on in verse 9 of Luke chapter 19, he said, today salvation has come to this house. And in verse 10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save what is lost. Know that the main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. The reason Jesus came into the world was to seek you and me and to save us from our sin. That was the focus. That was the main reason Jesus came into the world. He loves you and he loves me so much that he would be willing to come and seek us out. And not only seek us out, but to die for us, to save us. That's a loving God and a loving Savior who would love us that much. But I think about another encounter. I think about when Jesus was invited maybe to be a pawn or to be an entertainment of Simon the Pharisee. You look in Luke chapter 7. 
Jesus was invited to eat at this Pharisee's home. And, and you remember the story? As Jesus was reclining at the table, met with his arm on a pillow, with his feet extended behind him, a lady was there. She was known as a sinful woman, probably a prostitute in the community. And you remember what this lady did? She didn't mind that there was a crowd of people, people there and, and the hoo-hoos among the community and, and all these celebrities. She came, and out of gratitude, she began to weep. And you remember that she washed Jesus' feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. And then she had a, an expensive alabaster jar of perfume that she broke open and poured it all over Jesus' feet. And do you remember Simon the Pharisee thought to himself, if he knew what kind of woman this was, he would not allow her to do this. And then Jesus told him a, a brief parable, a story about the money lender who had two people, two servants that owed him money, and, but he canceled the debt because they couldn't pay. And which one do you think? Uh, would love him more, the one who had the greater debt canceled. And Jesus, in verse 48 of Luke chapter 7, said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. In verse 50 of Luke 7, he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Our faith saves us today. Isn't that great news? Our faith, we don't have to earn it. We don't have to be good enough, smart enough, eloquent enough, educated enough, rich enough, uh, tall enough. Thank God he saves us because of his mercy and his grace. We can't earn it. He loves us that much. And when you have an encounter with Jesus, an authentic encounter with Jesus, You'll never be the same. I promise you, you will never be the same. This past Friday, I went down to the funeral home, and uh, it was hard. I wasn't preaching the funeral this past Friday. I was actually going to a funeral visitation of a former classmate, and not only a former classmate, he was actually a teammate. He was a point guard, and I was a shooting guard, and, and so he would pass me the ball a lot, but a buddy of mine was tragically killed by a family member. And I saw classmates and teammates and some of my former coaches that I've not seen in years. And I have to tell you, it was very emotional for me. It was sad that we would have to have a reunion at the funeral home. And how many times is that when, when we see people that we haven't seen for years at a funeral service or at a funeral visitation? So I was just hugging and hugging and being brought to tears because it was the death of our friend, our teammate, that brought us together. And so I was just hoping and praying that my buddy knew the Lord. And I was sorry that I had played with him for years on the team and, 
And even though I would pray before games, and even though I was open about my faith, even as a teenager, that I never went that extra step and asked him if he knew the Lord personally, if he had had an encounter with the Lord. But I'm grateful that right before the, the pandemic hit, he was lifting weights and shooting ball down here in, in the Cross Center. And I got to say hello and visit. And, but again, I, I didn't take it. I invited him to church, but I didn't get to ask him if he knew the Lord. I pray so. So I was emotional. I went home and got out of my coat and tie, my suit, and, and uh, I left a notebook and some papers here at church that I needed. And Friday usually is my day out of the office. You know, I've had some of you to call me and say, you know, I'm sorry to bother you on your day off. Look, I might be out of the office, but I'm not off. I mean, I'm off 24-7 in my head, but I am not necessarily off work. I'm, I'm usually doing honeydews or working on my sermon or on Friday. So I went home, changed into some sweats, and came over to the church right after uh, going down to the funeral visitation. And I hadn't been in the office for two minutes. True story. It's funny because when I have come over on a Friday to work on a sermon or do something, my phone's ringing off or somebody's coming through the door left and right. That's why it's hard for me to work on a sermon here because I'm not one to say, I don't want to be disturbed. I'm working on my sermon. Because you might be a sermon illustration after coming in to say, I'm kidding you. So... I hadn't been in the secretary's office two minutes. Am I boring you all? Y'all got somewhere to be. <laughs> hey, somebody sent me a text last night, said, you don't have to let people out of church early tomorrow now. <laughs> anyway, if you know what I mean. So I hadn't been in the office for two minutes, and the doorbell rings, and Jessica, our communication director, said, there's someone here to see you. I'm not kidding you. I had literally just walked in, gone into the office, and boom, the doorbell rings. She said, I mean, she said, it's like a radar. They know you're here. <laughs> and so she told me the name of the person at the door. The person at the door was someone I had gone to elementary school with and then my freshman year of high school with over in Garrett County, over in Lancaster, where my dad was a school principal. And it was someone that I had not, I had gone over on my 20th high school reunion because they invited me, even though I graduated from Franklin County, I had gone to Garrett County fourth through ninth grade and I had made some, that was some of the best years of my life, and my dad being principal over there in Garrett County at Camp Dick Robinson School. And, and, uh, but it was a buddy of mine that I hadn't seen since our 20th anniversary. I had gone to a Garrett County football game and had gotten to see some of my friends. And Well, he was here to see me. And I said, man, you come on in my office. And we sat down and we started to visit. Now to get to the point of the story. They're like, come on, come on. Some people might want to watch a game. But anyway, when we came in, he said, Todd, I just, 
I've tried to come see you several times. I said, man, I'm so sorry. And I said, if it's on Fridays, I'm usually not here. And he said, uh, man, I just wanted to tell you what God's been doing in my life. He knows I'm a pastor. And he said, I have such great respect. My dad was his principal. And my mom was a teacher. He goes, I had such respect for your dad and your mom. And he had sent a real nice message when he had heard about my dad passing. And he said, Todd, I just feel led to share with you. He said, I, I had this situation where somebody came in and threatened one of my family members. They were being abusive and then threatened my mom. And he said, my human, humanness got the best of me. And he said, I, I went to their house after I had heard what they had done. And he said, uh, he goes, you're not going to believe it. It was the craziest thing happened. He said, this guy came out and attacked me with a weed eater. And he said, I put my arm up and he showed me all the scars on his arm, and he said, I went to the ground, and he had him on his neck where a guy was attacking him with a weed eater. He went on to finish that story and told me the outcome, and, and then he said, I, I really was just in a low place in my life and just questioning and, and wondering. And maybe that's, you've come in today with doubt and questions, wanting to know what God's will is and what's his What's his purpose for your life? And well, he was telling me all this, and I was, I was just heartbroken to hear what he was going through. And then he showed me, he said, well, he drives for, I guess, a company that takes people to treatments, you know, like for uh, if someone's on dialysis, he'll take them to a treatment or, or, you know, a cancer treatment or chemo treatment. Anyway, that's why he was in town. He was picking someone up or dropping someone off and, he said, man, I was really down. He said, somebody got in my car. I was taking their treatment. He goes, I usually ask them what music they like, whether it's rock or whether it's country or whatever. He said, this lady said, turn it to K-Love, Christian radio. He said, I turned it on K-Love. And he goes, wouldn't you know, the first song that came on was a song, With His Wounds, You Were Healed. He said, I looked at the scars on my arm, and I thought about Jesus. He said, right after that song, the song I can only imagine came on. He said, I looked at the scars on my arm, and I thought about what Jesus had gone through for me. And I looked at my arm, and I thought, they can't compare to the nail-scarred hands of Jesus and what he did for me. And he said, up until that point, I would call myself a bipolar Christian. He said, I'd either be real high on the Lord or I'd be real low. I'd be excited, and then I'd, the bottom would drop out. He said, but I am walking with the Lord. He told me where he was going to church now, and several of my classmates that I had gone to elementary school with, and even the, they all go to church together. I said, please tell them hello for me, and that's some of the best years. And then we had Jessica to take our picture. But my friend, even though it was something painful, he had an encounter with the Lord 
through what he had been through and a lady getting in his car and saying, turn it to Caleb. I don't know what you're going through, but maybe the Lord has an appointment for you, for you to have an encounter with him. Moving right along, not only are we to have an encounter with the Lord, but we are to equip the believer. The second E is equip. Equip the believer. In verse 38, turning around, Jesus saw them following him, and he said, what do you want? Or some translations say, what do you seek? What are you looking for? What were they looking for? Were they looking for prosperity? We talked about that a little bit last week, and out of Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, Jesus said, you cannot serve two masters. Either you will despise, either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. What are you looking for? Is it prosperity? Or maybe you're looking for prestige and power. Do you remember in Mark chapter 10, it was James and John who went to Jesus, and, and they said, Teacher, do for us whatever we ask of you. And Jesus said in Mark 10, 36, what is it that you want? And then they said, we want to sit on your right hand and the other on the left when you go into glory. And then Jesus would go on to tell him in verse 38 of Mark chapter 10, do you really want that? Can you really drink the cup that I'm going to drink? And can you really be baptized with the baptism that I'm going to be baptized with. He was talking about going to the cross and about suffering and dying. Can you really do that, he asked. They said, yes. And he said, oh, yes, you will. You will suffer too. But equipping the believer is when we can help people understand. When Jesus said, what do you want or what are you looking for? That wasn't to be rude. He was saying, are you really serious about following me? Because if so, I can teach you what it really means. You, you can't just flippantly say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow you. He, he said, I'm, I'm ready to teach you. John the Baptist had gotten him to this point. Now Jesus was going to take him the rest of the way. And that's discipleship. Discipleship is basically becoming more like Christ and telling us what's most important, not prosperity or, or, or not... Uh, power and prestige, or maybe you're looking for peace today. Jesus said in John 14, uh, verse 27, my peace I leave you, my peace I give you. And so he offers his peace today. And if you've been trying to fill that void with, with material possessions or immoral relationships or worldly thoughts and worldly ideas, you're always going to feel empty. It's not until you totally surrender it all to Jesus that you're going to fill that void, that God-shaped void in the depths of your heart. Remember Jesus in that great commission out of Matthew 28, 19, and 20 said, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the end of the age. Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. When we disciple people, when we equip the believer, 
We are teaching them the ways of the Lord and of his words, which are contrary to the ways of the world. That's what we're teaching them. We're discipling them. We are to equip the believer. But then lastly, we are to evangelize the lost. The disciples, one of which we learned later was, was Andrew. Some scholars have believed that this unnamed second disciple may have been John himself, the disciple whom Jesus had loved. They said, Rabbi, uh, tell us uh, where you live or, or where you come from or where you are dwelling. And they weren't talking about an address. I live over at 951. They were really saying, tell us more about you. What, tell us what your purpose is. Tell us what you're all about. Tell us where you're from, from heaven. What, tell us more about what it means. And Jesus responded when they said that. He said, come and you will see. Come, and you will see. If you look on over in John uh, verse 41, uh, John chapter 1 verse 41, what did Andrew do? The first thing that Andrew did is he went and told his brother Simon, we have found the Messiah. And in verse 42 it said, and he brought him to Jesus. Read on down verse 47 that Philip told Nathaniel, come and see. Really, that's what evangelism is all about. A transformed life, and then we want to tell someone else about what Jesus has done for us. You don't have to be a scholar. You don't have to have all the scriptures memorized, even though I encourage you to memorize scripture. But what Really, people want to see that we are authentic, that we've had a real change in our hearts. The best witness is a changed life. That we are living it out on a daily basis. And we can change our community and we can change our world by seeing people one to Christ, one soul at a time. We can turn this world upside down, evangelize, come and see. Do we do when we go to a good restaurant? If the restaurant has good food, good service, good atmosphere, they don't have to do a lot of advertising, do they? Why don't they have to invest a lot in advertising? Because people are going to go out and say, you got to come try this place. I mean, it is, I mean, the food is, oh my goodness, and the, the, the service is outstanding. The atmosphere is so peaceful. So the same way with church. Come and you'll get fed. You'll have good service, good atmosphere, friendliness. People are excited to be there. And then they're going to go tell somebody else about the experience they've had. Bob Russell shared in this particular time when he wrote this book that 90 percent of their membership had invited someone to church that past year. Ninety percent. He said that was our key dynamic. 
that our church members were inviting others to come to church with them. Let me ask you, when's the last time you invited somebody to come to church with you? You don't have to answer out loud. When's the last time you said, you've got to come with me? The Spirit of God is moving in this place. And I want you to know the same Jesus that I know. Not because I'm better than you, but because I love you. And I want to see you come to know Christ and be in heaven one day with me. That's important for us. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus said, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon and we are his witnesses to share with someone else the good news of Jesus. I'll close with this. I want to share an illustration that Bob Russell shared at the close of this message, at the close of this series. Many of you all have heard of the radio personality, uh, Liz Curtis. And she came to Louisville as a radio personality in the early 80s. She had uh, been known as the first lady of rock in Detroit and the uh, the Motortown Mama is what she was called. And even shock jock Howard Stern had said to Liz Curtis at one point, Liz, you really got to clean up your act. That's how worldly she had become and how far she had drifted away from any kind of relationship with God. So Liz Curtis was working at a radio station. There was a a young Christian couple who did a morning radio program, and uh, their names were Tim and Evelyn Kelly. They were new Christians, members at Southeast. They were excited. And so they invited this new lady who had come to town, Liz Curtis, to come to church with them. What was really appealing to her is not only would they go to church, but they would go out to eat after church. And that was appealing to a single lady that here's some friends are going to take me out that social interaction. And so she went to church with them. They went out to lunch. After a few weeks, she met some other people, invited her to sing in the choir. And so she started singing in the choir. And she was feeling the spirit of God and felt such warmth and People were so receptive to her that she remembered one particular Sunday that God was speaking directly to her. Have you ever felt that way in a service? God speaking directly to me? That's the Holy Spirit. And so they were singing an invitation hymn, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. And she got up from the choir loft. She wasn't a member. She was singing in the choir. She got up from the choir loft, and she began to walk down the aisle. And she heard one of the choir members say, I already thought she was one of us. And she said at that moment, she transitioned 
from the gates of hell to the gates of heaven. And she received Christ into her heart and life. It was a short time after that, she was hired by WHAS as their morning personality, and she would end up getting married to a, a Higgs, Liz Curtis Higgs. She would end up becoming a speaker to share how God had radically transformed her life. She's written over 20 books. She's in the Public Speaker Hall of Fame sharing her message of how God changed this bad girl into a Christ follower and sharing with people the hope that she had found in Christ. Beautiful testimony. What if Tim and Evelyn Kelly would not have invited her to church? Would she have ever come to know Jesus? Would she have been a vessel, an instrument that God has used for all these years? Think about when Jesus called these disciples, they were scared. They really were stepping out on faith. They didn't know all the answers. They just followed him. We don't have to know all the answers, you all. We just have to be willing to follow. I'm scared. I've lived a, a lifestyle that maybe hadn't been too pleasing, but I'm going to follow you, Lord, just like I am. And watch, watch what God can do. Are you ready right now to keep the main thing, the main thing, which the main thing is Jesus Christ and his love as we pray. Father, I pray right now in the stillness of this moment that if there are some folks, Lord, that have never taken the first step of giving their heart and life to you, may this be the day of salvation for someone. I would love to be able to say as... Jesus said of Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to this house. I'd love for us to be able to say, as Jesus said to the sinful woman, your sins are forgiven. Thank you for loving us that much and for your forgiveness, Lord. And if there's someone that's never invited you to come into their heart and accept your forgiveness. May this be the day that they would quit putting off, quit putting off, that they would step out on faith today. And as Liz did, to say, I've decided to follow Jesus. Lord, maybe there's some Christians that have lost their focus during this pandemic and they've grown cold or lethargic in their faith or their spiritual lives have suffered. I pray today, God, that there would be a a renewal, a, a fresh fire, a fresh wind and fresh fire, as Jim Simbla would say, would come over someone and they would recommit their life, that they would rekindle the flame and start serving you, Lord. Father, I pray if there are folks again looking for a church family, we are not a perfect church and I am certainly not a perfect pastor, but we serve a perfect God. And as long as we keep our focus on him, we'll never be disappointed. Draw new family members in, God. However your Holy Spirit leads, give us the courage, the boldness 
to step out on faith, and we'll give you all the glory in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand at this time if you're in this place. We're going to sing a hymn of commitment, a hymn of decision. It would be my privilege to pray with you about anything or everything. And I invite you to come as we sing together this closing song. being here today and allowing the Holy Spirit to be in this place.
I pray that you would come and worship with us again really soon. I know tonight we do have some discipleship courses that are taking place, classes. We would invite you to join us. If not, hope you'll meet with us either downstairs Wednesday at 5. There's a sign-up for our family night supper. Or join us at 6 as we pray together in this place. I know there's a men's and women's Bible study. Our children and youth meet and have activities that go on as well. And then please be in prayer for Friday night, our girls' night out, the Devoted Women's Conference. There is a waiting list. Already six, over 600 women have signed up to be here. This, so we're so excited. It's, it's going to be here in the sanctuary. And you, so you don't want to miss. If you have not signed up, there is a waiting list. We don't want to have to turn anyone away. So if at all possible, we know God will make a way. But we pray that you would be in prayer for this wonderful event. Thank you for coming. I pray you have an awesome week. God bless you. And Bill, if you don't mind, to lead us in Rocky, I mean, a closing song. <laughs> May we pray, God, as we go from this place, may we go with the spirit of love and, Father, with the desire to tell someone what you have done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.